Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. When you've spent a few minutes with a body that no longer houses a soul, so still and lifeless and empty, you really see it for what it is and how incredible it has been, no matter how it looks. Emma Gray, The Last Love Note. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, I'm joined by Bookshelf Operations Manager Olivia to give you a rundown of our favorite new books releasing in November. Wondering what books The Bookshelf is recommending for gift-giving this holiday season? We have two upcoming virtual events designed to help you prep for the holidays. On Wednesday, November 8th, we're hosting our Holiday Literary First Look. I'll walk you through my favorite books for giving as gifts in this hour-long webinar. The event can be watched live at noon on November 8th, but it will also be recorded for viewing later. Tickets to the event include a PDF of the titles we discuss, as well as a discount code for purchasing. If you've got little ones in your life, Olivia will be hosting a kid-centric literary first look on Thursday, November 9th at noon. Tickets to both of these events include the PDF as well as a discount code, and they're $15 a piece. They can be purchased through the link in our show notes or by clicking events on the homepage of the Bookshelf's website. That's bookshelfthomasville.com. Now back to the show. Hi, Olivia. Hello. Welcome back. This is our last one of these. Not forever, just for the year. (laughs) Don't scare the people, Annie. (laughs) This is our farewell episode. (laughs) JK. And we're out. (laughs) End of 2023, everybody. (laughs) Uh, this is our last new release. I still don't know. Rundown? I think it's Rundown. Okay, this is our last new release rundown of the year because if you are a new listener or even if you're an old listener, maybe you just forgot, December is kind of a weird month for publishing where really nothing's happening because publishers want you to buy books they've already published and it's just kind of a nothing burger of a month, if that's okay to say. Yes, that is more than okay to say. A nothing burger. <laughs> yeah, you know, just kind of nothing. <laughs> Two buns and maybe some ketchup. Actually, that is how I prefer my burger. No ketchup, though. Oh, nothing. I don't eat ketchup either. Ew, I don't eat nothing on it. How do yeah. you eat your burger? Well, I'll put like lettuce and cheese on it. Oh, okay, I don't do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Meat and bread. Meat and bread. When I go to Whataburger, it is, uh, what do they call it? Plain? Do they do that? Because I feel like they always mess that up. Oh, no, you have to know what to say. Plain and dry. Okay. (laughs) My bad. That's on me. (laughs) Plain and dry. Plain and dry at Whataburger. Look, as we go through today's new release titles, a couple of things to keep in mind if you're a listener. First of all, November is also a slower publishing month, right? I mean, well, there are some big, I think a lot of the big books are coming out in October, though. I feel like they're all coming out in October. There's a couple big hits and maybe... Yeah. At the very start of November. Yeah. But but it's kind of a quiet month yeah. in and of itself. So November and December are just kind of unique months in publishing. It actually makes it really tricky. I don't know about you, but I am struggling to find a December shelf subscription this year. I got one. 
Oh, crap. You got I've, one. I know. This is the first time I'm ahead of you on this. <laughs> Dang it. That's okay. I found one for February 2024. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm so excited. I also have one for July of 2024. Annie. <laughs> but, but not the months in between. Well, good luck with December. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a hard time with December. Um, So, listeners, keep that in mind that November and December are just different types of publishing months. But as with our other episodes, as we go through our November new releases, you can keep in mind that Aaron has made browsing our podcast book selections super easy. You can go to bookshelfthomasville.com. And then type episode 449 into the search bar, and you'll see all of today's books that we've talked about listed, ready for purchase or pre-order. You can use the code NEWRELEASEPLEASE at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your order of any of today's titles. Okay, we are going to talk at the end of this episode about a very big release, two big releases. We have thoughts and feelings um, about... We have thoughts and feelings about (laughs) Fourth Wing and Iron Flame. And so we're going to talk about that at the end because both of us just have a couple of books to talk about, really, going back to just November being a unique publishing month. Um, Okay, so I'll kick us off with a book called The Happy Couple. This is by Nisha Dolan. It's out next week on November 7th. This is a book that I have started to read. I've not finished it yet, but it was an Esme favorite. So Esme is our full-time inventory coordinator at the bookshelf. Most of our in-store customers are very familiar with Esme. Um, But Esme and I have a lot of taste overlap, honestly, just because Esme reads a lot of books, (laughs) y'all. She reads, she would, Olivia, would you say she's our most prolific reader? Yes. She's also a sneaky reader. Yeah. She'll come back from the weekend and be like, oh, I read that. I'm just like, when? Right. But when did you read that? Because you also did like a home improvement project and like went hiking. It must like- <laughs> be because I watch exorbitant amounts of television and Esme is productive with her time. Yeah. Because you're right. She come, I asked her what she did this weekend. She was like, oh, I worked around the house. I did yard work. And then it's like she also finished three books. Yeah. She's an audiobook listener like Aaron. But mm-hmm. she's also a reader. She also reads a she reads a physical copy. Does she read digitally? I've never asked her. No. Okay. Okay. She does not. Okay. Then I have no excuse except I'm rewatching Gilmore Girls for the eleven thousandth time. <laughs> Me too. And I have so many thoughts. I was actually talking to Lucy about them last night. <laughs> is Walt still watching? No, he has picked up in his busy season, and so it is just me now. Okay, that's why you're watching. Me, so Lorelai, Rory, Jess, <laughs> Luke, <laughs> Christopher. God, Jess is back. I just texted Ashley and Caroline. They're who I text about Gilmore Girls. And I said, just at your annual reminder, because I watch, I rewatch it almost annually. I said, that your annual reminder that Dave Rogowski is the best Gilmore Girls boyfriend that existed. And this show did Lane wrong. I don't. They did Lane so wrong. Lane's boyfriend, Dave Rogowski. From the band? Yeah, before she dated Zach, who I think is a giant loser. I'm sorry. No offense to Zach. An enormous loser. (laughs) No offense. I just feel like that show did Lane so wrong. And then I'm not going to be weird about it, but I also texted my cousins and I was like, I just think Jess is the best kisser. I'm sorry. I said what I said. I think so too. His angst is what what gets me. I love his angstiness. Yeah. But also, I was talking to Lucy because I think the two unsung heroes of the show are Kirk and Suki. Suki, I 100% agree. Kirk is very funny, but I think 
especially now knowing what we know maybe about Melissa McCarthy, but rewatching it. I just love Suki and I want a Suki. If anybody is listening locally and just wants to bake me muffins, like I just, I just want to, we talked about this on the podcast, didn't we? I used to just walk by the Paxton house thinking, don't you want to give me breakfast? And no one ever gave me breakfast. Yes. Honestly, honestly. Weird that no, that never popped into anyone's head. <laughs> honestly, you know who's my Suki? Walt. Walt Suki. Only Walt brings <laughs> ribs. And that's even better. <laughs> oh, he's going to love that. I just feel like they pop in with the perfect amount of quirkiness in the perfect time frame. Like, you always are wanting more of them. And that's what you should get. I don't want more of Lorelai or Rory. I actually just want more of Suki and Kirk. I don't know that I want more of Kirk. I have just enough Kirk. <laughs> I want more. Just, I have just <laughs> enough Kirk. Um, but what I will say is Kirk is an icon because like anytime I see a pedicab, I think of Kirk. Like he does it all. He does it all. And everybody knows somebody. Like if you live in a small town or even a neighbor, like I just feel like you know somebody like Kirk who has all the odd jobs who like – they do all the things. Yeah. Um, and then I think Suki is a character with a lot of depth. Um, I really love, I mean, it's an angsty episode, but I love the episode where she and Lorelai kind of get into a fight because they're trying to own this business together. And Suki, Suki is like, I'm a, I thought I was a sh- I thought I was your maestro. I thought I was a chef. And Lorelai's mad at her because she's kind of flighty. And I I love it. It feels very realistic to me. Kind of flighty. Yeah. <laughs> This isn't, I'm sorry, this isn't a Gilmore Girls breakdown podcast. This is, I'm so sorry, but we could, we could talk about that forever. I'm sorry, everybody. The Happy Couple by Nisha Dolan. This is an Esme favorite. It might be for you if you like Irish wedding dysfunction. So if you like an Irish novel, that seems very specific, but if you like an Irish novel like Sally Rooney, and then you also like dysfunctional family drama, I think you could like this. Her first book, her debut, I believe, was Exciting Times, which I immediately was like, oh yes, the toothbrush book, like the book with the two toothbrushes in the cup. Uh, But this book is about, I think it's like five people. It's a it's a groom, the groom, the bride, the best man, the sister of the bride, and a wedding guest. I think that's it. And the story, like the chapters are each, like the first chapter is the bride, the second chapter is the groom. So I already love kind of the structure of it. But what is going to happen, it sounds like, is just a lot of, we're not really sure the bride and groom are actually made for each other. Like maybe they're just getting married. And this is like immediately in the first couple pages, you're like, why are these people getting married? Um, it, It might just be that they feel like they should be getting married. And then you find out, oh, the groom's best man has a crush on him. The wedding guest had a former relationship with the bride. And so there's just a lot of drama. Olivia's eyeballs just got real big. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of drama. They're so big. <laughs> and so I'm very intrigued. I'm. It's early days uh, in this book for me, but I'm liking what I'm reading so far. I think I. Here's what I will say. So far, the characters aren't the most likable people I've ever met. So if you are looking for likable characters, I'm not sure this book will be for you. But if you're looking for like confused, I know we keep using the word angsty. Thank you, Jess. But like angsty, uh, lots of feelings and complications and a lot of dysfunction, I think this will be for you. So this is The Happy Couple by Nisha Dolan. It's out next week on November 7th. Okay. Um, In a very different turn of events, my next book is called 15 Secrets to Survival. By Natalie D. Richards. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah. (laughs) 
And this is a middle grade book, but oh. it don't read into the the title too much. Okay. This is about a group of these four kids who were like best friends since they were babies. Well, their parents assumed they were best friends since they were babies. They were all in the same classes and everything. Mm-hmm. But the group grew apart. Um, and in a, a, like, I think it was like a debate competition or like a trivia competition that they were grouped together in. They got into a, a fight over a chat room that a teacher could see. And so they all got in trouble. And their parents decided to send them to this, like, eccentric uncle's house up in the mountains to learn survival skills Uh. um, to bring them together. But the uncle has decided that he's just going to leave them these clues. And, like, if they can figure it out and get to the next location, like, it's like, go over here and, like, set up a fire and, like, you have to hike this mountain to do this. And he's, like, nearby the whole time. Um, But then the clues kind of stop and they were just like, where is our uncle actually? Um, And it turns out the uncle's in trouble and now they have to figure out, like follow the clues to get to the uncle's last location. Oh, that's cool. It was really fun and not like super serious survival skills, more like funny. I don't, I don't know what the word is. Funny skills. (laughs) (laughs) Hijinks ensued. Thank you. (laughs) There goes all the words in my head. be great for the next two books (laughs) well you know what i like about that is it sounds original yeah it was fun because you talk about a lot of middle grade books and honestly even adult books where you start to feel like oh my gosh and they're good books but they do sound like the book i read last month you know what i mean this one sounds original yes okay and you're never worried about the children you're just like oh they'll make it like they'll make it they'll be fine um and this uncle is a trip so okay it's great well, that sounds delightful. Yeah. What age? Um, I would say eight and up. Yeah, it was great. Okay. Listen, this is the book I'm most excited about, but I haven't read it. Uh, it is called Dolls of Our <laughs> Lives by Mary Mahoney and Allison Horrocks. Hello, elder millennials. Get excited. Uh, this is a book about the American Girl dolls. That's it. That's what this book is about. The publisher is describing it, and boy, do I hope it lives up to this this blurb. The publisher is describing it as a book that combines history, travel log, and memoir. And (laughs) wow, that's expecting a lot out of a book about American Girl Dolls, but I'm here for it. The authors of this book are the hosts of the podcast, Dolls of Our Lives, which believe it or not, I have not listened to, um, though maybe now I will. But the book is about the impact of the American Girl dolls on a generation of women, but not just the dolls, also the really the culture of American Girl, American Girl magazine. Um, I follow a fantastic Instagram account called American Girl Women because I was a devoted American Girl subscriber for probably a decade of my life. And so it's very fun to like see old pictures of the magazine covers and that kind of thing. But it talks about like, each doll, what their personality is, why we care, who we are, like as meaning each woman is like identifies with an American Girl doll. I like to say I'm a Molly Wing Felicity. <laughs> uh, <and> so, <laughs> so anyway, did you, were you into American Girls? Or are you too young? I don't know. No, I was going to say that's an, that's an all millennial thing. I had, a, okay. I had Molly. Okay, didn't, oh God, I love Molly. I still think yeah. about, when when I go to bed with my hair wet, I think about her because she, <laughs> because Yeah, me too. <laughs> do you remember where she like pinned up her curls? She was going to be in that competition. She had she was the two be in braids. Yeah. Yeah, she had braids, but she always wore braids. And for this competition, she was going to curl her hair. And so she like put it 
up with bobby pins, I think about it all the time. <laughs> okay. Every time my hair is wet and I go to bed. Anyway, yeah, I I loved the American Girl dolls and American Girl magazine and that culture. And so I think partly the travel log comes from these women paid a visit to like Colonial Williamsburg to see like the roots of Felicity's character. Um, I want to know if they do a deep dive into Pleasant Roland, who ran Pleasant Company, like started and owned the company before Mattel bought American Girls. I have a lot of questions about that. Uh, and so I hope they go into that. But I am so excited about this book. It releases next week. If you are looking for a gift to give this holiday season, if you listen to this podcast and there's a woman in your life who you're like, they remind me of Annie or they remind me of Olivia. I just think anybody would be happy to get this book under their tree. Like, I just, I think it sounds so fun to like revisit something from our childhoods. So that's called Dolls of Our Lives by Mary Mahoney and Elizabeth and Allison Horrocks. For a second, I thought you were going to tell people to go buy it, an American Girl doll. And then I forgot we were on a book <laughs> podcast. <laughs> For the second Please time today, by. I forgot we were on a book podcast. Should we start a Gilmore Girls American Girl podcast? <laughs> Honestly, the content would be so easy to come up with. Oh, yeah. Wait, who did you have? Molly and Felicity? I'd Okay. What I'm going to say is going to make me sound like I was a Samantha. But I want you to know that my parents worked very, very hard. And it was, it was my <laughs> Santa present. And so I had... <laughs> but people are going to hate me now. I had... Um, <laughs> Kirsten was my first one. And then that was my sisters. Okay. Then I got, see, I didn't have sisters also, y'all. I only had a brother. So I had Kirsten, Molly, and Samantha, Felicity, and Josefina. I had those five. And then one year, also, I played with dolls until I was 15. Okay. I literally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. The different kind of person. <laughs> Olivia's face. <laughs> I packed them. I don't know that I played with them until I was 15, but I did not pack them away until I was 15. I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Okay. And my mom and I packed them up together while I cried uh, because I was, it was like the end of my childhood and I felt it deeply. I had the, I had the American Girl doll that looked like me. And the list is still going. <laughs> that, that was the last one I got was the one that looked like me. Okay. <laughs> I was not spoiled, believe it or not. Oh. It was my hard-working <laughs> middle-class parents. <laughs> they, they did so much for me. Uh, anyway. thought so you were going into like a round two. No. <laughs> the one that looked like me was the last one I got, but I named her Annie Ruth because that was my grandmother's name. And my grandmother made us matching outfits uh, that like looked just like the ones in the magazine. And it was very exciting. I have pictures. I had like the sunflower hat. Do you remember the sunflower hat? Yeah, I do. I really yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> I had that. I didn't wear it, but my grandmother made it. I mean, your grandmother, my grandmother made stuff all the time, and I, you had to wear what your grandmother made you. Yeah. You want to uh, hear so how I, different our doll life I was? <laughs> <laughs> how old were you when you packed yours up? Did you also cry? I honestly don't remember, but I do remember <laughs> very shortly after getting my Molly doll, um, uh -huh. I was like tossing her up and catching her by her arm, and her arm popped oh, out. No. And we had to send Did her. Did you send her to American Girl Hospital? Yeah, but we didn't have a box big enough. So my mom folded her in half into this little box so that when they opened it, she just. <laughs> like a horror film, like Chucky. <laughs> I also cut her hair at one point. Did you really? I did. I'm so sorry. I cut my Barbie doll's hair. I regretted hair, it. But yeah, it doesn't grow back. It doesn't grow back. Yeah. And we, like I, Barbie, you also shouldn't wash it. Did you wash your American Girl doll's hair? Oh my god, Annie! <laughs> I was a destructive little child. I don't know what oh to tell god. you. 
Oh my gosh, I cannot. <laughs> I did I did not. I mean, I I definitely played they, they were not collectibles to me. I definitely played with them. Mm-hmm. Um we played school with them. My brother was the principal, I was the teacher. Like I had a little doll bedroom in my bottom of my closet like my uncle made a bed. How did you play school with him being the principal and you were the teacher? What interactions did you guys have? Oh, he just sat at his desk and I would come bring bad children to him to reprimand. (laughs) (laughs) This is how, let me tell you something. When you have a brother, you know, you have brothers too. So much insight. (laughs) (laughs) When you have brothers, you have to like be creative about how we're going to play together. And he was willing to be the principal or like, yeah, we would play church. Yeah. Like, you know, which yeah. <laughs> was the preacher. I know. Anyway, it was fine. But <laughs> what I will say, I do think American Girl Dolls just created such imaginations because I got the dolls, but you probably, I assume we were fairly similar. Like all the accessories and stuff, we could not do. the Like, like no. the Butterworth yeah. family did not really do. And so, you know, I would pine away at these catalogs, but then my grandmother would make the clothes or my uncle made my doll bed. And so with the girl that looked like me, they sold like instruments, like she could play an instrument. Mm-hmm. And, and so, well, we couldn't afford that. And all like, you know, it wasn't even just that we couldn't afford that. It was just like a no. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, oh, yeah. we're not going to buy a clarinet for your doll. Uh, and so. Because yeah. all this stuff was crazy expensive. Like their outfits and stuff were ridiculous. Yes. Now, if you're listening to this and you had American Girl doll outfits, no shade to you because... No, honestly, props to you. Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Um, But I broke a Crayola black pencil in half and turned it into a clarinet and put it in a Clinique lipstick case was her clarinet case that she put in her backpack. And I was so proud of it that I I designed a clarinet. (laughs) I mean, that's creative. It's really, (laughs) it's the kind of problem solving that led to entrepreneurship for me, I do believe. (laughs) Yeah, I did make, I did make, I one time attempted to make clothes for my Barbie dolls because we had a sewing machine up where we would do Barbies. Because you can sew. I can sew. Yeah. I think that's amazing. I think that's, Olivia, that's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> Weirdly, a ballet life skill that was given to me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so great. I I only ever, I sewed a little bit, like with my grandmother. So like I sewed a little quilt, but mm-hmm. like I don't think I could do it now without help. But yeah, I think sewing clothes, like that's so important. What a valuable life skill you learned. Yeah, I, I mean, the clothes on a, on a real size human body is a very different thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Barbie clothes are different. My senior project in high school was to make a leotard. Oh, And I presented a project where I gave them three failed samples and was like, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. (laughs) Here you can see my progression. (laughs) Here are my three attempts. Honestly. Here are the steps you should take. (laughs) These are my attempts. These are my results. (laughs) I passed, but. Well, good for you. Thank you. Um. All right. Well, okay. Before you go to your next book, what what doll are you and wing? Oh, I still feel sure that I'm a Molly. I think that's true. Yeah. I don't know what my wing would be. Do you know? I'm going to tell an Aaron story without her being here. Did you know she dressed up and was Samantha during Victorian Christmas one year when she was young? Yeah. Yes. Because doesn't she look like Samantha? She's got that really dark hair. Yes. She and Lucy. Yeah. Lucy looks like Samantha to me. I'm not saying they were Samanthas, but that's who they look like. Yes. 
I did like uh, Samantha's outfit. Oh, Samantha had great outfits in the 1900s, baby. Yeah. But my favorite part of Molly was that leather strap that carried her books. Oh, that that was so cool. I know. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was so cool. Like a lot of my what? reasoning for picking Molly. We had Jansport backpacks. And her glasses. The, gla- the glasses were really, because it was like a whole the extra accessory great. that just came with her. Yeah. Well, and yeah. that, and Josefina came with earrings, and it was like that's right. And yeah. Ho- and Josefina had really great hair. She did. I did like my sister's doll, Kristen. Kirsten, I got really jealous of because I liked the blonde hair a lot. Yeah, and it matches your. You have Kirsten hair. Yeah. Well, and it was blonder when I was younger. Okay. Lindley's has stayed blonde, so good for her. But <laughs> lucky her. <laughs> Um, I could talk about this for hours, but yeah. I suppose the people want us to talk about books. <laughs> we'll continue. Please go on. All right. Round two of books. <laughs> we'll finish you. Ra- you did your second. That was your second. Yeah, I did. Okay. My next one is out October 17th, and this is The Professor by Lauren Nossett. I think this is a, just like a good academia novel for like the winter season. Um, it's set in Athens, Georgia, which I really liked. I don't know that the setting was like a huge part of it, but it was just kind of fun knowing it was semi-local. But it was about this student, Ethan, who was found dead in his apartment. And at first they thought it was just a straight overdose, but then there were clues to suggest that maybe it was homicide. And so they started looking at his teacher, Verena. I can't remember her last name. Because they, uh, several students started talking about how Ethan and Verena were very close. And so they started looking at like what was happening between them. But you do get some chapter, like the very first chapter is from Verena's first day at that school. And you can tell she's like this very timid person who like doesn't ever want to overstep. She never closes her office door because she knows that things like mm. personal boundaries can get really mixed up in an academic setting. And so she's always been very careful about this. So then when it all comes out that like Farina was taken in for questioning over Ethan's death, mm. you're kind of confused because you're like, I actually don't think she did it. Mm. In walks this former detective, Marlet, who has a pretty rough past with uh, several detectives that she works with. Um, and the reasonings why she left, you kind of find out towards the end. Okay. But her mom works with Verena and asked Marlet to start investigating this because she's sure that Verena is not responsible for this. So Marlet essentially rents Ethan's old apartment in order to get close to his roommates and start investigating this whole murder mystery. Oh, okay. It was pretty good. That's kind of sound. That part sounds like The Likeness, which is one of my favorite Tana French novels. Oh, okay. And, okay, did you read this author's first book, Lauren Nossett's first book? No, I think I did. I did, and I liked it. Like, it's a it's a satisfying detective book. Um, and so I yes. just downloaded this audiobook. Um, I think I'm going to give it a go. Oh, okay. Well, let me know what you think. The whole middle of it was so fun and so okay. good. Like, I loved her detective part of it. Yeah, it was great. All right. All right. I'm going to... I'll report back on that one. Um, Okay, my last book is the book that I led the episode with. Uh, It is The Last Love Note by Emma Gray. This is out at the end of the month, November 28th. This is a book published by Zibby Books. I feel like I've just been pointing out their books because they're a new publishing uh, imprint. And so I'm just, I'm interested to see kind of their trajectory. Um, But this is one of those simultaneous paperback and hardcover releases. We have feelings about those uh, as booksellers, but, you know, I guess... 
if you prefer paperback or prefer hardback, lucky you, you get to choose. This book is the front very much looks like women's fiction, maybe even bordering. It looks like women's fiction. You maybe might think, is this a rom-com? This is not. This is this is women's fiction slash romance slash drama uh, about a woman named Kate. Kate is about my age. And immediately, you know, she was married and her husband died. And now she has a young son. And she and her boss, Hugh, are going on a business trip. And it actually takes us, this is all on the blurb in the back of the book. I would argue it takes us a while to get to this point in the book itself. But the blurb describes this, where she and Hugh are going on a business trip. And there are some a series of unfortunate events that means Hugh and Kate are kind of stranded away from home. And the whole book, you definitely know well, Hugh is probably going to be a love interest of some kind. And I would like to state how much I loved Hugh and also how complicated my feelings were about like a boss and an employee thing. Like I just, I just had some questions that mostly Emma Gray answers fairly satisfactorily, but, but just as a heads up, that's going on here. Um, mostly though, as much as I loved Hugh and I appreciated their, sweet, slow romance. Really, this is a book about grief. Like the front of the book makes it seem like you're getting a fun Australian vacation novel. And I'm just here to say that this book is beautiful and deeply sad um, about loss and life after loss. And Kate in the book adored her husband. They had a wonderful marriage. Uh, it was not without it, its issues. Um, I... I don't think this is spoiling it, um, but I'll just say like Kate's husband had an illness and so I won't kind of tell what it is, but that that was deeply moving and Kate's caregiving was deeply moving. Um, and then you get to the author's note because of course there's an author's note and you realize that Emma Gray has her own story that's a little bit similar to Kate's story and that adds a really personal element to this book. So I really liked this book. I just feel like you should know what you're getting and what you're getting is more a PS I love you situation if you're familiar with that book or movie than you know for example like I don't know, 50 first dates or something. I just want you to, I want the people to know what they're getting. And I think this book is lovely, but it is really bittersweet. It's a really bittersweet book. Uh, so it's called The Last Love Note by Emma Gray, and it is out at the end of the month on November 28th. Okay, my last book I'm very excited about is called The Other Half by Charlotte Vassell. And this one is out uh, October 21st. November 21st. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think you said October before. and I, I was going to say, I am pretty sure that I did. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. It's November. <laughs> this is news to Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a jarring month. This is like the epitome of rich people behaving badly. Murder mystery. I, okay. I loved it. I thought it was great. And it starts out lighter and then ends up on a on a fairly dark note. But that's okay. I think Annabelle Monahan was talking about how she loves a novel about rich people behaving badly. And I actually think she would love this one. Yes. Um, this starts... Okay. Annabelle, if you're listening. Annabelle, if you're here. <laughs> called The Other Half by Charlotte Vassell. It has so many just great characters in it. It starts out with this guy, Rupert. And you kind of learn from the people around Rupert that no one really likes Rupert. When you meet him, he is organizing his own birthday party. And he goes into a McDonald's and rents out the entire upstairs, like the the entire McDonald's, essentially, 
um, for a black tie event to celebrate his birthday because he thought it would be funny to have all of these rich people black tie in a McDonald's. <laughs> Honestly, Rupert, I kind of love it. <laughs> Rupert, invite me to your party. Right, but he's like pretty rude to the wait staff. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm yeah. out now. <laughs> we don't we don't like Rupert, Annie. <laughs> okay, okay. And so you meet like two of his friends that show up who have like are like kind of dating, but Rupert wants to get with the girl and she's just kind of like, no, because bad things have happened between mm. them before. And they keep being like, Rupert, where's your girlfriend? Because he has a girlfriend and she has decided just not to show up to this birthday party, which is a real statement oh. in their world. Um, and then we find out in the next chapter, this is not a spoiler, that she was found dead. Of course. Yes. In walks in this detective, Detective Casius, I believe his name is. Um, I did look that up. I'm pretty sure that's the correct pronunciation. But okay. We're we're really trying here. And Casey's is like, he's this, he just recently had like this huge breakup with his girlfriend. Since then, he's turned into like this health nut. He's on this health kick. And all the detectives that are working with him are like kind of joking with him about it because like they'll go out to get a burger and there's Casey's with like a green drink. Like, and he's just really <laughs> rubbing it into everyone's face and he's having a hard time. And so he starts investigating this murder. And he is like one of the one of the most likable characters I've met in a long time okay. in a murder mystery where I was just like, okay. honestly, if she continues, I don't think this is going to be a series. But if she continues mm -hmm. with that detective, I will read it because I really liked okay, him. You would follow. Him. I would follow him. Right. He was great. Um, but. Chaos ensues and rich people do what rich people do. And it was just, it was a fun, as Annie would say, romp of a novel. I do. I do love a romp. <laughs> this sounds delightful. Yeah. I think I might read this one too. It was great. I thought it was great. Okay. And then look, probably the big, the biggest book in our corner of the world and probably yours too, though you may not realize it, is the release of Iron Flame, which releases, does it release on the 7th? It releases on the 7th. Releases on the 7th. This is a sequel to Fourth Wing. Since I talked about Fourth Wing however many months ago, I think, when was it? July? It was Market. I read it at yeah. Market. As a staff, I'm trying to think, has everybody but Esme read it? Esme and Nancy. Esme is currently reading it. Esme's reading it? Esme's currently reading it. Okay, so Nancy's the only one. Keela convinced her. <laughs> God, Keela can convince. I told Keela, I used to think Keela was the person who was most susceptible to a cult. And now I'm thinking <laughs> that Keela is the most likely to start a cult because <laughs> she can convince anybody of anything. I asked Esme the other day, not one week ago, I said, are you going to read Fourth Wing? Nah, I don't think I'm going to read it. That was a week ago. Apparently, Keela guilted her into it. So I don't know what was said. <laughs> but Esme's reading, or she's listening to it, I think. Okay, so now everybody but Nancy, I think. Yeah. So we've all read it. Um, we all liked it. We all, I think the consensus, like the Venn diagram, the middle of the Venn diagram was, this is fun. It was enjoyable. Yeah, this is fun. This is fun to read in a group or along with the masses. That's like, whether you liked the writing or didn't like the writing or liked the romance or didn't like the romance, the consensus seems to be, this was fun. Um, and so, so it was, it was fun. As a, as a bookseller, would you describe the fourth wing and iron flame experiences as fun? <laughs> um, honestly, no, <laughs> no, the, I think the first release 
of the first book started out as like, what's this? And then it was like, oh, gosh, we don't have any and we can't get any. And then that was stressful. Mm -hmm. And then we just kind of resigned to this is what we have because this is what everybody else has. And then the second one felt pretty straightforward. Yeah, we thought we were going to fix. We thought we were now ahead of the game. So we were behind the eight ball, whatever the phrase is. We were we were behind in July, uh-huh. but we knew Iron Flame, the sequel, was releasing in November. We knew we needed to order like special editions. It all has to do with these black sprayed edges, y'all. People love a special book. They just love, which I get. Books are works of art, whatever. Um, and so we were so proud. I was so proud. I was like, we're going to be prepared. Um, and then what happened? Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went viral on TikTok, first of all. <laughs> we went viral on TikTok. Um, and then got shamed, it felt yes, like. we. I just, this is my, this is not my Michael Scott apology uh, video, but, but there isn't an apology to me. Like we were fine, everybody. There was no affidavit. There was no embargo. Yeah. (laughs) We didn't sign anything. No one told us we couldn't post anything. Yeah. We did our jobs in a very timely manner. That's right. That's right. Olivia, Aaron, and Keela busted it. Keela saw it on TikTok. And then we were like, I mean, Olivia and Aaron immediately said, we got to put this online so people will buy it. And they did that. I immediately placed an order for him. Yeah. Immediately placed an order. This, and this wasn't even for Iron Flame. I'm sorry. I should state. This is for Fourth Wing yes. Special, Special Edition, Edition. Which also releases. November 7th. Because why not? <laughs> which I just have all. I just am like, y'all, why? What are you trying to do? <laughs> Let us have something. So. Iron Flame really is not a problem. We've ordered enough of those. Like, we feel good about that. Yes, we have more than enough. Fourth Wing Special Edition has been a... Headache? Dragon of a problem. Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I believe... Do you know the phrase I used to Lisa? Um. (laughs) (laughs) The phrase I used for Lisa yesterday, and I wrote it on this post-it note, was beautiful nightmare. (laughs) I (laughs) I was going to say a madcap battle. I said, Lisa, this has been a beautiful nightmare because on the one hand, proud of publishing, like good for Mm -hmm. you guys. You found a successful book and you're selling it. Proud of you. Uh, On the downside, you didn't print enough. And we're sitting here not knowing if we're going to get enough, quite frankly. Yeah. Which is terrifying, everyone, if you're wondering how we're feeling. It's the worst. It's the worst. I have already told the staff this, but I told Jordan, how would you feel if... You did your job correctly, but now your hands are tied behind your back and you might not be able to do the job you said you were going to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like only yeah. through no fault of your own. Like it would, I mean, it would be awful, but it would almost be better if it was like our bad guys. Like just to give the people like a glimpse to of like how much energy are we really putting into this? Like just a couple emails and phone calls. This was 16 hours of my week. <laughs> 16 hours yeah was trying yeah. to figure out 16 and counting if we're gonna get books 16 which and is counting. crazy yeah so if you ordered fourth wing from us in the melee that was our brief our we, we were icarus we flew too close close to the sun <laughs> uh our brief moment of tiktok fame we hope we're gonna get your book to you uh but we're also still waiting as of this recording we are still waiting mm-hmm. for information is that, is this? As of this recording, we have two separate order, three. We have ordered them from three separate places. 
in order to try to secure enough your lovely books. The books that you ordered and that we want you to get because we want you that we we want yeah. you to know that small businesses can do a good job. What I will just say, and this is I you know, I I don't know. Are we spilling tea? I don't know. I don't want to spill any more tea, but I do just want to say that your favorite independent or small bookstore has no idea how many copies of this book they're getting. No one we None have, of them no do. one we have talked to knows how many copies of this book they're getting. You know who I think is pretty confident of how many books they are getting or have already gotten? Amazon. That is what is infuriating to me. That's what's infuriating. That like yeah. Amazon, I think, still has it up for pre-order on their site as of this recording. Uh, yeah, that we had to we had to stop sales. Yes, because we aren't sure of our copies, but they are out there still selling at. A 40% discount. At a 40% discount, which is whole. But by the way, y'all, that's wholesale. That's what we pay wholesale. My palms are sweaty. (laughs) Also, I would also like to remind everybody, last note, is that this is book one of five. (laughs) You know. Of five. (laughs) Do you think by book three, four, five, you think they'll, surely they'll have their, they'll, and listen, what our, I will say what our publisher up told us is that the imprint responsible for fourth wing really had no idea that it was going to take off the way it did. Now I would argue that book two, they kind of knew sure. like, yeah. like, because, because truly nobody can really predict what TikTok is going to love, what the masses are going to love. I, I read where the crawdads sing a year before it released and could not have predicted the success of where the crawdads sing. You just don't know what's going to hit people just right. Um, so I feel for the imprint, but for book two, I would have thought, Oh, they know. And I think they did. I've not had issues. I don't think you've had issues with ordering Iron Flame. But no. If like, anything, we've actually got offered more. Which is like, who decided Who decided a special edition was necessary would be my question. Capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> they and, stepped in and they were just like... <laughs> and that's our podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Capitalism. <laughs> Uh, because because that feels like where the mess has now come from um but it would be my hope that by the time books three four five come out we'll have this down to a science but we sure did think we were going to be in better shape in november and i don't i don't know i don't know if we are who's to say who's to say so there's the tea those are our november books you can pre-order any of those or order those from our website bookshelfthomasville.com use code new release please at checkout for 10 percent off your order of today's titles This week, What I'm Reading is brought to you by Visit Thomasville. Fall is a wonderful time to see Thomasville, Georgia. If it's time to hit the road for a quick getaway, we are exactly what you're looking for. You can rekindle your spark, explore historic sites, indulge in dining out, shop at amazing independent stores, and finally, relax and unwind. There's no better getaway than Thomasville. Whether you live close by or are just passing through, we hope you'll visit beautiful Thomasville, Georgia. It's worth the trip. Plan your visit at thomasvillega.com. So this week, I showed Olivia my planner for in a couple of weeks, and she started to laugh. And I was like, there's nothing even on here. What's she laughing at? And I looked, and there taped to my planner were my chicken perlo tickets, which is what I want to tell you all about today. One of my favorite fall things to do in Thomasville is chicken perlo. If you are not familiar, I assume it's like a French Cajun Southern tradition. I'm not sure of its origins. Am I making that up? It might not be French. Don't don't answer that. I don't know. It's a Southern tradition. I grew up going to Chicken Perlo in a tiny little town 
in Florida. And now the Thomasville History Center does chicken perlo every election night. And I love this for two reasons. Chicken perlo is just chicken and rice cooked in like a big old cauldron. That's what it is outside with, with paddles. And I don't even love rice that much, but I love chicken perlo and I love the atmosphere and I love sitting outside and eating chicken and rice that's been cooked outside. The other reason I love it is because I think we all know now more than ever, that election seasons are really divisive and intense and stressful. And I love that in our small town, we have to like sit next to somebody at Chicken Perlo who maybe we voted differently from. And like, we're kind of forced into close proximity. And I love it. I love, I love the grace that it requires to eat chicken and rice outside with people who think differently from you. And so if you're planning a trip to Thomasville, maybe you're nearby in Tallahassee or Albany or Valdosta, I would encourage you to buy a Chicken Perlo plate and to come to Thomasville on November 7th. There's also fun stuff happening with the Thomasville Entertainment Foundation that night. So it's just gonna be a fun night in Thomasville. And it's a fun fall thing. So that's on November 7th. And I couldn't read an ad without talking about Chicken Perlo. This week, I'm listening to Play For Me by Libby Hubscher. Olivia, what are you reading? I'm reading Masters of Death by Olivia Blake. Thank you again to our sponsor, Visit Thomasville. Plan your visit at thomasvillega.com. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's podcast episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Cammie Tidwell, Chantal Carl, Kate O'Connell, Kristen May, Linda Lee Drost, Martha, Stacy Lau, Chanta Combs, Stephanie Dean, Ashley Farrell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson. Susan Eulings. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and helps us reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.